0: Hello and welcome folks to the Social Marketing Academy. I'm your host, Christopher Tompkins. We have an awesome show today. It's one of my good friends and someone that I work with a lot on PR projects because as we all know, I am not PR gifted. Um, April Margulies, she is fantastic. Um, She has an agency called the Trust Agency, but I'll tell you more about April in a minute. You've sent through some fantastic questions about PR. So April is going to, I'm gonna pose them to her and she's gonna smack them down during our interview. Uh, So if you want to learn more about the Social Marketing Academy, I urge you to check out our website, which is the GO Agency, um, which is gosalesandmarketing.com, gosalesandmarketing.com. On our podcast page, you can see all of our past shows and all the past topics. Whole topic of our show is any questions that you have about an area of digital marketing or even offline marketing that you would like to learn more about so you can build your business online, offline, and just all together. So if you have any show ideas, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Uh, You can hit me up on any of our social media channels, as well as on gosalesandmarketing.com through the chat window, the... contact form whatever um just let me know i'm happy to help in any way that i can this is pretty much an hour of free consultation or less so um let's just get to today's topic so um let me tell you a little bit more about my friend april april margulies is the president and founder of trust relations and she's also the co-host i've been a guest on this of the pr wind down podcast As a journalist turned PR practitioner, April has more than 19 years of industry experience. She has worked at the world's best agencies in New York City, including Weber Shandwick, Edelman, Rubenstein Public Relations, and Spong, and has represented clients across numerous industries from Fortune 100 companies to startups. So she pretty much covers the gamut on PR and everything in between. So I'm really excited to be able to have her as a guest today. And here she is, April. Hey, welcome to Social media. Hey, Academy. Hey, Chris,
1: thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so good, it's, it's good, good to talk to you. Um, we, we connect offline quite often, so it's nice to have a more formal interview with you. We're going to be more serious and talk about our, 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 um, our specialty areas. So we've gotten um, we've gotten lots of questions for you, but before we get started, can you introduce yourself just a little bit more to the audience?
1: Absolutely. So my name is April Margulies, uh, newly married. So some of you, some of you may know me as April White from before, and I founded Trust Relations about two years ago, almost on the nose, as sort of uh, an answer to the experience I'd had in the PR industry and not having been super thrilled with my experiences at various agencies. So it was sort of a, let's see if I can do something better and different based on the pain points I personally experienced. So it was, it was really, um, some people are calling it the anti-agency, if you will. I think that that might be a little bit aggressive, but it's not meant to be so You know, anarchist. But, um, but there is an element of that in it You know, where we're trying to do things differently. We actually mm-hmm. were founded as a virtual agency on purpose before COVID. So I thought that that was a smart way to do things with how the world had gone. It didn't seem like doing a lot of in-person meetings when most of what you're doing is pitching the media, and occasionally having client calls really made a lot of sense. And I felt like rather than putting the money into the overhead of an office, it was better to put that money straight into the work. So it meant more of that budget went straight to doing the work itself and more of that work went, or more of the budget went straight to uh, senior level people that were involved in the account. So we weren't so reliant as a lot of agencies are on having, you know, 20 somethings do a lot of the heavy lift. So um, that was really the, you know, sort of the the impetus behind it, you know, previously I've worked at Weber Sandwick in New York and Edelman in New York um, and Rubenstein in New York. So there were a lot of, um, you know, I had a lot of experiences that were very varied and, you know, some good, some not as good and some good in some ways and not good in other ways. And so it was sort of a, let's see if I can do, take, take the best from each and, you know, leave behind the rest and, and put together something beautiful. And, Two years later here we are and I, I actually just looked at our first website which was something i put together with wix and oh it was horrible <laughs> it was so <laughs> embarrassing and it's like if this doesn't show you how far we've come in two years i don't know what does
0: well it's, it's interesting because uh, we both uh we both have the elements of the unagency agency vibe about us and that's why mm-hmm. I, uh, we, we get on and we collaborate so well together Um, True. it's because I've done, I've come from the same background. It's almost like I've come from a lot of broken homes. Every, 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 (laughs) every, every company that chose to employ me had like really big problems when I came in that I was kind of like, you go in and you're like, oh, oh, there's lots of issues here. Let me fix them. And then I think after doing that for so long, it's kind of just like, wow, really fix a lot of different things. And, uh, why don't we just try this? do this on my own and then maybe I can build a, a structure that isn't built with these inherent issues. Um, and this like in, in inheriting this culture of
2: mm-hmm.
0: just, this is how you must do this. And I think it's kind mm-hmm. of in this environment now, even like you saying that you started out as a virtual because that was the way things are going. We have to be like one step ahead. And if you are so ingrained in these historical values and structures cool. by dinosaurs, I mean, it's, it's not gonna be, you're not gonna be here forever. So, no, I
1: think things are really changing quickly now.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I just talked before we uh before um we started recording uh today. I was talking to April about like I had to learn like four four or five different concepts overnight because something some like four of the social media sites has changed. So it's like our, our brains are very full, but guess what? We are able to pivot because we can. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it stink if you were in a larger agency and then you had to have a meeting about 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 these changes?
1: That is so true. No. And, and what, what's going to be the challenge I think as we continue to scale is how do we keep nimble and, and keep this sense of family and inclusion and, you know, collaboration. Cause I think it's part of it is difficult because people that you're bringing into the mix have agency experience. So it's almost like some of that's in their DNA where you have to, okay, let's keep some of that. We need some of that, but let's not come down really hard on the junior staff, the way that your last agency did to you. And so you're now doing it to the next person. So it's some of it, we want to not pay for it. And some of it we want to keep. And that's, I think it's a lot of pruning, you know, and it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it'll be an interesting challenge as we keep getting bigger and, and seeing if we can, how do we keep what's beautiful about this and, be able to take on bigger and bigger clients and bigger yeah. and bigger
0: teams precisely
1: so let's get into
0: some user questions we got some people um on on social media that have sent through some uh dms about questions PR questions that they wanted you to answer love it so um let's go into one of the ones that um I'm just trying picking the ones that I like um so the one I liked is one that uh, I I hear a lot of people ask me and then I I always say ask April this question, not me. Um, What are common PR mistakes that you see often?
1: Common PR mistakes. So these happen both on the agency side and on the client side. I think on the client side, the biggest issue is that people either start PR too late or they start it too early. They tend to start it in my experience too late. So they come to you and they say, hey, we need to launch this new product or we have this great new partnership and it's happening in two weeks can we start with you today? And can we, and you know, to capitalize on it? And the answer is yes, but
2: <laughs> uh. it
1: would have been better had you come to us before, because a lot of times they're moving so quickly, they haven't even reevaluated whether they're happy with their positioning and their copy. So then how are we talking about the company? And we have two weeks to figure out how we're talking about the company, do embargoed pitching to the media and get an announcement out. I mean that that's kind of an insane timeline which like I said we have done, but it's not something I recommend. No, on the other hand, we've had clients who come and they say, um, okay, we're going to launch it this month and then it they're not ready. So they don't have their website done and they don't realize that until they've hired us or they don't have their messaging and positioning figured out and they don't know that they're behind on that as well. And so there's a, it's sort of as it, though they're not PR ready, even though they think they're PR ready because their branding and their positioning and their website and their assets and everything isn't aligned yet. Yeah. And then it's sort of a pressure on us. Well, why don't you have media coverage for us? Well, we haven't been able to pitch you yet because your website's not live. So we're yeah. doing everything we can to keep things moving. So I think it's a timing issue primarily Um, and, and sort of an issue of them not even knowing sometimes clients think, because if you put something on a website, it's glossy and it's colorful and it looks sexy. And if you strip away all of the design work and you put it straight into words, it starts to look pretty empty and it doesn't look like it has proof points and it doesn't really look like there's any differentiators there. And they don't even know it until they see it stripped and it's bare bones. And then they say, oh my God, I don't like how we're talking about us. So um, I just think there are a lot of pieces that need to be in place. And I would say on the agency side of things, um, it's sort of similar. I think it's trying to keep pace with clients who want results ASAP, but aren't giving you assets ASAP. So that means you either have to get really scrappy and figure out, okay, what are some thought leadership things we can do with them? What are some low hanging, you know, opportunities that we can tap into or surrounding trends or something where we can at least plug them in as yeah. an expert thought leader, source of expert commentary and get that going while they're out their stuff together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, or push them for, Hey, we don't really have what we need to get you coverage what if you did this with your business? What if you did this with your marketing? What if you had this campaign? Have you thought about doing? And so it's a matter of sort of figuring out what are some of the things that they could do to be newsworthy? I think too often people say, well, the client didn't give us approvals on something, get us what we need and start tied. And it's not untrue, but it's fully true. So I think it's a matter of of both sides needing to be honest about what's, where they're at now and then how to, okay, given that, what can we do to pivot and continue the momentum or or establish momentum before what we all hope happens, happens?
0: <laughs> now, okay, here's a good question. And this is something mm-hmm. that like everyone that's listening to the sound of my voice should actually review um, is <laughs> what is the, tell me, not not an example of that you've had in the past. If you picked up the phone right now for a sales call or did a Zoom call and it was a new prospect and they were saying, well, I'm really interested in PR and you ask all of the questions. And as you're asking them, your, your, your smile's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, what is the ideal scenario for someone?
1: Like, what is I, it, when is so it the I'm, best? When am I the most excited to be talking to a prospect? Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, almost like I'm trying to think of trying to give people an indication of the stuff that they need to have together and the timings, like what is the most idea? Like if they came and they're like, oh, hey, I have all of my assets together. I have the website here. Here's some talking points. We've done a competitive analysis as well as part of our, we also did uh, this, that, and the other. And then we're launching in like two months. And like, what is, what is like the the perfect recipe? What's the
1: sweet spot? That's a really good question. I would say um, I would like to be having the conversation two months before you're about to have some big announcement. That doesn't mean we have to start in the next week, but it does mean that we need something. Ideally, we want a week to put together a proposal, another week to get the contract figured out, and then, you know, a good month and a half before anything happens ideally uh to make sure that we're aligned on your messaging and the press release is written and approved and the media list is put together and there's plenty of time to do that embargoed pitching because nowadays it's really important if it's almost like if you put out a press release now nobody wants it's it's old news already Mm -hmm. so they want it they want the news before the press release goes out and you need a good two weeks to do that. Now, if you're pitching an exclusive and it's something huge, ideally you'd want a month. So no. that's still kind of a tight time frame, but I would say two months out is, is the ideal time to start the conversation, or two and a half months, or even three months is fine too. But I wouldn't wait till month. Um, no. and and then I would say that they've yeah we just launched our new website we have our messaging mostly figured out but we need to make it ready for pr so we need your help there and you know we we know after this thing happens it'd be good to put together a three-month or six-month plan because then we're going to have the ceo's book comes out and the partnership that we're working on now is going to come out probably in the six-month time so if they have their sort of a trajectory in mind, and this is really important, if they know their marketing and business goals, that really helps. Mm-hmm. I think it's very hard to come up with a PR strategy if they aren't clear on what they're trying to do just on the basic business level, or they're not clear on what they're trying to do on a marketing level. And obviously, the business needs need to, you know, precede the marketing needs, but it's a lot easier for us if they say, This is our target audience. Um, If we were able to get 500 downloads of our new app before this period of time, we'd be really happy. Um, We think, you know, I mean, maybe they even know which publications their target audience is reading. If not, that's easy for us to figure out. But if they had all that, you'd be like, oh my God, you're a dream client. You know exactly what you're trying to do. You know that in Q3, you're trying to get investors and you're trying to do a new you know, round of fundraising. And that's going to be the priority then. But for right now, the, the key priority is just getting the user base up or the brand awareness or whatever it is so that they right. actually know why they want press and not just, I want to be in the media. I want to be in mm-hmm. TechCrunch. You know, that's the kind of thing where it's, well, for what, right? Exactly. Does it, because because if they don't know and we get them tech crunch that they hope had would happen from getting tech crunch doesn't happen, then they say that PR is worthless, and that's not fair yes. either because no, you need to first know why you want to be in tech crunch, um, no, it, and then like, that way you know if it happens why it serves your business needs.
0: And you said something, I have a follow-up too, that I, you said something there that I just, I, I, I want to kind of like pull out and just like amplify a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of, one of the main things that I've seen in terms of misunderstandings about PR is that, oh, PR is PR. Okay, we're doing marketing stuff over here and these are our marketing goals. And that's just, that's PR. So we're going to do our market. And, and if you actually came to a PR agency and we're clear about your marketing goals and the plan that you had set forth, they can amplify that, they can push the pressure points when need be to help you get closer to that. 100%. But if you do not say that, and, and then because sometimes I, I, I've seen in conversations where I've kind of bridged the conversation between um, an agency and um, a, a prospect, that they will be really forthcoming with me, but not as forthcoming with the PR agency. And I don't know if that is, I'm afraid that the PR agency is a blabber and they're going to blab every secret of our our company out there. Um, No, they're a trusted advisor that's trying to help you and you're talking to them for that reason. Right. So I think it's kind of like full disclosure is a really good thing um, with PR. Now, a follow-up question I have is, what if I don't have anything coming up? What if I don't have a launch? That, happens,
1: that happens a lot. And, and that's, that's doable as well. Again, it's, it's more of a, okay, well, what are we trying to accomplish immediately? Is it that you just need to get your messaging figured out? Or is it that you just now, you, you know, you launched two years ago and you don't have any media coverage. So in that case, sometimes what I will ask is, can we come up with something that's new? can we come up with a new flavor or a new scent or a new uh, app or a new feature or a new fill in the blank, right? Is there something we can do? Um, if not, there's there's always room for doing thought leadership. So there's always room for roundups and thought leadership, and you can always pitch those. If it's on the consumer side, you know, it's a lot of doing gifting and seeing if those editors want to test it out and put it in their next listicle, if it's on the business side, it's more about, okay, let's start getting you interviews and byline article opportunities and things like that to get your name out there and build some momentum for when you do have a new announcement. So it's sort of tunneling both directions. What can we do with what you have now to get you some some press? And what can we not pretend you have coming up because we need it to be legitimate and authentic, or it's it's not gonna go anywhere anyway, it's just gonna read like spin, which I think is is um passe people are just yeah. they're too savvy now you can't get by with it mm-hmm. so then it's a matter of what well what can you introduce as new what can we say as new what can we do a relaunch can we do a rebrand right. it's something right To, mm-hmm. and so it's just a matter of noodling that with them um i had one prospect that came to me and it was a sustainable sofa company and they really want to be known as, known as you know doing the sustainable work but they're sustainable practices and materials actually weren't superior to what was on the market. And so we started talking and I said, well, what are you doing? That's really different. I said, "Well, we're doing this cool thing where every time we bring somebody a new sofa, we take away the old one and we give it to somebody who needs a sofa. So whether it's a, you know, that's, you know, under, you know, like really young or just be somebody who's underprivileged or, or underserved and, and just needs an extra, you know, an extra boost here and there. And I said, well, why don't you make that part of your platform, right? If you're doing that and you're kind of doing it secretly behind the scenes, make that front and center. Then you have a point of differentiation. Then we can we can promote the heck yep. out of that, right? If you have a sign up list where you say, you know, next time you need a couch, this is where we can go. I mean, that then we have an amazing pitch because you've got something to offer that's really unique that nobody's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he basically said, okay, I'll, I like that idea. I'm going to go away and try to integrate that and come back to you.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: um, so I think that, you know, there's a way of doing things, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's go away and do it, come back. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, um, well, let's get this in motion now if you've got budget and it's important enough to you to get that brand recognition going. And then let's, let's develop a thing, an actual news peg Mm-hmm. that we can pitch in a couple months or a few months
0: okay here's another question and this is kind of an angled question that our the audience asked and i kind of have a different way of of kind of housing the question um mm-hmm. how i am a marketing director at a b2c company and i know that pr is valuable how do i pitch that up how do i kind of tell my boss the value, the value of PR? How do I get them to buy into it?
1: That's a really good question. So one thing that I have discovered in marketing people and just from being in the industry for years now is that the thing that PR adds to the marketing mix that no other component of marketing does is credibility building. There's no other replacement for that you can do brand awareness through advertising and through marketing, but you cannot build credibility in the same way because you aren't getting that third party endorsement from somebody who's an objective reporter of the news and is talking about things that are relevant to the key, to the readers of that outlet. There's just no substitute for that, right? So right. I think that um, if you're looking at and I think I think that goes for both. If you're looking for more customers, but it also is true if you're looking for investors, because if investors see that you're featured in Forbes and TechCrunch and Inc. Magazine and Bloomberg, suddenly you look a lot more attractive as an investment. Right. And there's not really a way of putting a dollar amount on that. So it's you can come up with metrics for PR that can be useful and help sell it in. Um, Sometimes that's share a voice. If you're trying to edge out your competitor and they're in every single article and you can't believe that the CEO of the competitor, competitive company is always in everything, (laughs) right? Then maybe that's the metric you want to use. And that's what I would sell in. Mm -hmm. If it's um, you know, we just don't have any credibility in the media. We have no media coverage. We have no as seen in logos to throw on our website or put in our, you know, collateral, then then that's what you need, right? It doesn't even matter if it's it's just that you need to be able to put the those as seen in logos on the website to look like, oh, they're really doing something big. Mm. Um, and I think if it's something where, you know, you've got an executive who's trying to posture himself for an acquisition or something like that, then the thought leadership component of it might be the thing you want to sell in. So I think it's, I think it's identifying which piece of PR is most needed in your marketing mix, and then leaning into that and figuring out is there a metric for it, and if so, great, and if not, you know at least you can point out what well, we we don't have this thing, um, because at the end of the day, people know the value of PR when they feel it, and I that's a it's it's sort of um, yeah. an unscientific component of marketing that makes people crazy when they want that those metrics but we had a CEO who you know sort of didn't understand why he was spending on the money on PR but he went along with it and then suddenly he started going into meetings and having people say I saw you in dairy farmer I saw you in business week I saw you in you know and suddenly it was he was known from all these different angles because he was in the dairy trades. It was an ice cream company. He was in the dairy trades. He was in the business publications nice. and he's thinking about selling the company. And so it's like, you know, it was one of these, Oh, this is exciting. Cause suddenly I'm, I'm now out there to the point where people say, Oh yeah, I just saw you in the news.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's not really, there's not really a way to put a dollar amount or a number or a, or a metric on that right that's mm-hmm. that's some it's a tipping point where, where you cross over and you just feel, feel it right they're acting different they're talking to you differently
2: mm-hmm.
0: no it's it's a it's a kind of like when i say that like the two sides of roi That's return on influence big style i mean it's like it really does make a difference and, and i think also i mean if anyone doesn't have if you're kind of looking for how that as seen on, for example, um, or as seen in or featured in, um, if you're looking at a, I mean, how many of us have looked at an ad for a consumer product or a new website, and you can see as featured in all these really, really impressive publications. That's PR, that's not purchase. Well, some of them could be- That
1: purchased. is PR, yep.
0: But that's PR, um, that's it. I mean- I
1: that- The social media side of things too, right? Because of mm-hmm. saying, oh, we're cool. We're doing this thing, that thing. Suddenly, you're saying, Oh, look at this. Allure magazine wrote about us. Mm-hmm. And it's not us bragging about ourselves, but we're so honored that Allure is bragging about us. And it just mm-hmm. has, has a different feel to it than if you're just both still, it, it's less boastful, right? It has a more of a, mm-hmm. um, somebody else is talking about us and, oh, we won this award. This is, I mean, we're so honored that we won this award, you know, mm-hmm. it's let it's more that than in a little less Kanye West, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it just, it makes such a difference. And I think that that's one of the things that PR really can do. And it's, I mean, aligning yourself and your brand with these, these, these legendary publications or, these publications that have such high people have such high, um, you know, feelings about of, of of importance. I mean, for example, I if I tell, I mean, because me and April are both um, contributors to Forbes, and. Um, yeah really i mean anytime that we share a for i've shared forbes article it's like oh my gosh you're 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 in forbes that's amazing and it's kind of like well that's part of the that's part of the angle it's to be that thought leader to be thought of as you know that that individual um now what do you okay so what is your best PR advice for startup founders? And I know that we have some startup people that are listening, um, but now we've talked about kind of selling it up, the value of PR and that kind of thing. But what about a startup? What would you suggest for them?
1: So I would say the first thing is to ideally find somebody that can coach you through the differences between PR and marketing, because frankly, most of them just aren't going to know and there's no way that they should be expected to know. It's, It's a it's a component of marketing that they just don't fully understand. And so I think it's working with somebody that can guide you through it and say, you know, Hey, your website's not where it needs to be. Are you really sure this is how you want to talk about yourself? Should we wait to do PR until you've got that in place? So I think it's first finding somebody that you trust to guide you through it and that you feel like is, not just there to take your money and see what happens but is there to give you you know good counsel and and help right. you figure it out because it mm-hmm. is challenging um i think it's i think some of what happens is that they don't always know that pr is different than branding and positioning and so it is the case that somebody that's good at pr and at trust relations does do this we can help with a swot analysis. And we can help with basic messaging and we can help with website copy that reflects the, you know, points of co- competitive differentiation and, and all of that and the value proposition. But, it, you know, you can't, um, you can't expect that that's something that the PR firm is just going to, Oh, they've done PR in this space before yeah. they know prop tech industry. Therefore they're going to be able to just tell us where we competitively fit into the landscape and position us that way. So I think it's knowing that, That's something that you need to help with as well, because you can't just out there's there's pieces of that. You can't just outsource. right. Their level of participation you need to have. And yes, they're the experts and they're the expert counselors. But it's just like with a lawyer, go to a lawyer and say, come up with my case. Um, all I know is that I got into this situation and I need you to get out of, you need get me out of it. You, you need to give them details, right? You need to explain to them, mm-hmm. well, what happened? What contract was in place? Who said, what, when, where are yeah. the emails? I mean, you have to still get them the, the background info. So I think it's just knowing that there's also going to be some cost to you as a startup founder and some time involved and, and it's going to be some things that need to be turned around quickly, because if the media is interested, they need an answer quickly. And if you're not in a place where you have the bandwidth to do that, then you need to have somebody in place to help you and to come up with those answers and then run them by you. Even if it's, you know, coming in, inter- you know, interrupting you in the bathroom between meetings and saying, I need you to re- review this book. Right? So you, For sure. somehow, some way, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how it looks behind the scenes, but you need to be able to participate and give feedback in a, in real time and give you know answers and advice um, where requested by the media in real time to make sure that you capitalize on the on the expense. So
2: mm-hmm. I
1: think I think that's the the main thing is just knowing that um, knowing you need a partner that you can partner with and trust and that you're going to give your trust to.
0: Yes. I agree with you 100%. And I think that this is one of the biggest misconceptions when you're dealing with an agency. Um, As soon as the word agency comes into anybody's vernacular or mind, the immediate connotation or uh, I guess it's a connotation because I don't think the denotation is this. We are not, we're not psychics. um, And we are not basically, uh, what, what are we hiring you for? What are we paying you for? You're paying for me to be a member of your team and your company. You know we are collaborating right. with your team we are not going to come in and tell you how to run your company we're going to take the information for example if i hired somebody maybe i hired like somebody to do uh, um sales within the go agency i would sit them down i would tell them the culture the values i would introduce them to everybody i would give them all of the marketing materials i would explain the services i would do mock sales calls so if you're doing it to, you're outsourcing it, why don't you feel that you have to have a assimilation of that same sort of onboarding? Because we, we say onboarding all the time. I mean, I, say, I said onboarding like 14 times today. I'm ready to freaking, on, I'm done with onboarding. i are going to walk the plank. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's, it's one of those things where it, it is building that relationship and building that rapport and understanding that if I'm asking you questions, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a dummy. I'm not making you work hard. This is part of our relationship. Yeah. Actually built into the contract that, that clients have to respond within a certain amount of time to queries right. or they, they, they're not going to be valid in terms yeah. of
1: the campaign. Yeah. And you make a really good point there too, because I think a lot of times clients mistake you asking hard questions for not believing, especially people that are a little bit insecure about their startup or whatever yeah. it
2: is. Mm-hmm. And
1: they think you're asking these hard questions and you're asking for more and more and more and more because you're, what you're telling them is what they are now isn't enough. And I think that's a mistake for somebody to take it personally because yeah. you just need to get to the bottom of it and mm-hmm. and pull it out of them until you have all of the information you need to do the best job of positioning them. And it's the same, right? If somebody's, I mean, I, I know... um. Our, our friend that has the branding agency in Australia, you know, they spend hours and hours and hours drilling and drilling and drilling down and down and down and down, and down further into what that brand wants to be and what they're, and to the point where it can be offensive. Like mm-hmm. it feels like combative, but you're doing it to help them. You're doing it to help them put a finer point on what they're trying to say about themselves. And so I think that that's the thing that I would also say startup. Uh, it, well, any client really, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's hardest for a startup because they're still figuring out who they are mm-hmm. and that's where it can get really sensitive because it feels yeah. like you're attacking their initial idea and that's not what you're doing. You're just trying to help exactly. put that, the laser focus on it.
0: Exactly. And I think that one of the, another, another point that I, I've seen um, in relationships with clients uh, that kind of hurt their campaign. We're talking about trying to protect your investment as a client with an agency. Um, Having somebody on the team that you defer to that has no idea on the specialized area of the agency that you're hiring um, and then deferring to them over the agency is not a good investment for you. I would suggest if you're ever going to defer to somebody on the specialized area of your agency beyond the the external agency, don't hire an agency and just have that person do it if they're so good at it. Um, Just have them do it. Give them some more responsibilities give them the ability to hire internally because mm-hmm. um we've had campaigns in the past and i maybe currently i don't know but um where we would have one person that's being deferred to and it's derailing their entire campaign and they're spending a lot of extra money and i've said that because i'm not one to be silent violent about that um i'd be like you're wasting tons of money here
1: you're
0: not I'm, I'm a shocker you're such so
1: but like no
0: uh yeah uh it's 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 one of those things where just trust me you know what i mean trust me as part of your team and you can go so much further that's why like even when we commiserate about like stories that we've had in the past it usually is a trust thing or an insecurity thing that comes up a lot of times
2: it is it is
0: so, uh so if you're working I mean obviously if you're working with an agency just kind of like a takeaway here folks is just to be open with being open uh, I think and you know and I always say that you know t- if you have just let me know if there's any skeletons in the closet because I will if you don't tell me I'm gonna go searching for them anyway so it's rather for me it's better for me to know than for me to find out and then present them to you um, because it's more open and honest yeah <laughs> and on-
1: you and know. on the peer side, my God, if you don't know those things and you, you know, step into a landmine and you don't know it, I mean, those are the things you could avoid if you knew that, you know, what they're doing on the CSR side is not really legitimate and or whatever, right? You just need to know these things so that you don't step in dog poo. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, like. I mean,
0: and, also, and also, like, isn't it exciting when you have a client that comes to you and and then and, and you like, tell us more and like, well, hey actually right now we we just got over this horrible customer service um, issue that we had and we've gotten past it, but we really want to try to move forward with that messaging. And how do you think is best for us to kind of position that? I'm like, oh my God, all day long. I love this. But if it's yeah. kind of like, hey, um, I need a Facebook campaign. I'm not going to tell you anything. Can we get started tomorrow? <laughs> it's like, well, no. Um, so, <laughs> um, well, I have one more question for you before we go. Um, if you are, um, okay, um, one of the ones, this is a real quick one. I think this is kind of something that we might've touched on a little bit already, but um, how do how can entrepreneurs know when they're ready for PR? Like what's the seed? Like when when should they be like clicking on it?
1: I think when you have something legitimate that you're, ready to share with the world and you need to to let people know it, that that's your moment. So
2: yeah.
1: if you um if you've already reached a certain milestone or you've already and it's not to say that you can't do something at launch, I still think that's important. And the launch itself might be the thing that you do that's that you've done. But I think a lot of times it's just making sure that you've really got something newsworthy. And if you're not sure look and see if anybody, if you've got in your head, I want to be in the Today Show. I want to be in TechCrunch. I want to be in VentureBeat. And you can find a story that's like what you have in your head in those media outlets. You're ready. Mm -hmm. If you imagine that what you're doing might be there, but you're not sure, then you need to seek counsel. But if you definitely know that there's no news outlet that's covered anything like what you're doing or the size that you're at now, then you're not ready.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, exactly I, and that's, right. just,
1: that's just a very general rule of thumb. I did actually write an article on Forbes as well. That's got, you know, all the, all the different things that you need to have in place. And those are everything from having your assets in terms of your branding and, and, you know, website and other collateral your logo needs to be done right all these things that are really basic um and it also includes do you have somebody that can be the point of contact for the PR agency because that's the other thing you have to have you have to be and I know as a startup founder myself there are moments where you just don't have bandwidth for anything and you're working 14 hour days every day or longer and Mm -hmm. you know that's just you're not there yet now Maybe that means that you need to get big enough that you can hire somebody that you can have run point for you with the agency. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just something else to keep in mind is you have to have both the the story to tell, be clear on what the narrative is that you're ish, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Because
1: they can help you figure that out. But, But I mean, the whole point of PR is to take the brand narrative and the brand points of differentiation and all of the things that you're legitimately doing and amplify them through various narratives. So it's taking that one singular narrative of the overarching brand narrative and then figuring out what are different angles to tell the same story in different ways. Mm -hmm. So it all stems from that one thing. So as long as that thing is clear enough that you could have somebody help you refine it and you are ready to have thick enough skin that you're ready, you know, you feel like it's blossomed far enough. Cause I also know there are moments where you're, you know, it's an incubation period and it's, you don't want to have anybody fuss with it because it feels too delicate and then you're not ready for that either. So I think when you know that your idea is crystallized enough that it can handle some polishing and some elbowing and some needling and some, you know, Mm -hmm. Then I think I think you're at least ready to get going on the on the messaging positioning side of things, if not even doing media relations.
0: Yeah, I agree. And something that you mentioned earlier that I just kind of want to highlight um, and amplify a little bit is we we're when you're talking about, and then we're gonna we're gonna have to jump. Um, but the uh, it was with if a media if, if a media request comes through, jumping on it immediately. Um, if uh, from my standpoint as a non-public relations person, if you are paying a public relations agency to get you media coverage, and you constantly just say,
2: no, that's not good.
0: No, 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 I don't have time. You're, you're giving me too much work. Why are you giving me all this? Why can't you figure it? Don't hire a PR agency. Because yes. when you are engaging, for example, I mean, I've done it before and guess what? When I get my requests, I have to go oh okay I got this because this is something I wanted (laughs) this is because something I said let's do this it's not like it's not to be bothering you they're giving you opportunities and they're not all going to be like Oprah like Oprah and Gail's buddy hour like it's going to be kind of like smaller things and offshoots and if you've been honest about what your story is and you've developed something with your agency that is right, if you're constantly saying no, you need to, like, grow up. I mean, you need to pull, up, pull together a little bit. Well,
1: yeah, and the, and you make a good point there, too, because I think the other thing for both startups and entrepreneurs is that you, you're going to have to start at the bottom. So you're not going to... You know, I know that can feel like five thousand dollars a month retainer, and you need you you know it's a three month minimum, and that's fifteen thousand dollars, and you need to be informed by the end of that. Uh, you might be, but don't count on it, right? Because there's a, a, a ramp up time of just getting the the you just have to build the foundation. So you have to be in the blogs and the trade outlets and the local business outlets before yeah. you can jump out and be in Ink Magazine or Forbes or fill in the blank, right? Fast company. I mean, it's, you you just can't, you can't expect that that's going to happen overnight. It's a slow build and a slow burn. And it's, um, and it's really like, in order to get the ear of those fictional outlets, you have to have already established your credibility in the smaller tiers. So you have to start there. And that means you're going to have to be okay with some weird podcasts and some kind of strange blogs and some authority magazine Q and A's, even though they take you four hours to respond to, Mm -hmm. I'm exaggerating. It shouldn't take that long, but it can take a good hour or two, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there are things where you have to just be willing to say, I'm willing to put and lay the groundwork here and I don't need to have this payoff in three months. So Mm -hmm. that's, I guess that's another good tip for startups and entrepreneurs. If, if you're at a place where the you know, you can't spend more than let's say if you can't spend more than $2,500 a month for three months and have it be a little bit of play money and foundational building, then you're not ready. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough finances. You don't have enough budget to make sense out of it. So I would wait
2: because anything
1: less, I mean, there are people that will do PR for less than that, but the amount of time and effort that goes into it, it's just going to be a gamble whether that investment at a lower price point is even going to be enough to move the needle and make any traction. And so better to save your money and, and have it ready to go and spend 5,000 a month for six months when that doesn't feel it can be a, it can be a stretch, but it shouldn't be like, if I don't get a return on this, I'm going to go under. it. You can't, you can't be there if you're there and already.
0: Yeah, I think the, and, and then, and going in with the idea that results may vary is, is a big thing because I've seen people come through mm. and, and like get a real great hit right off the bat. But sometimes that's a fluke and it's not what, it's not what you can expect from everything. I mean, I've talked to people that said, yeah, well, uh, my, my, um, one of our direct competitors, we were in a peer, peer thought group. Oh, that sounds brilliant. The, um, but they were talking about, um, we were talking about they got this coverage in this, this publication. So I know that I, I have the right fit for this. So that's what I want. And it's kind of like, that's really cool, but it doesn't happen the same way for everybody. The journey is different. Journalists are different from day to, day to day to day to day to day. So, but I'm gonna end it there with us, April. This has been so, so much fun talking to you uh, and answering all the questions about PR that have been floating in from our audience members. Good,
1: um, I'm so pleased, thank you. Yeah, yeah, where, where can
0: um, people learn more about you and trust relations? I mean, obviously, so we, all these links are in the bios, but she's going to give you a
2: lip service. Yeah.
1: So you can visit our website at trustrelations.agency. And we have also have social uh, media. Um, what am i you trying to say? We have social media links uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn, so you can find us there. And all of those things are, are linked from our website as well. So probably it's easier just to give the one address. If you want to email me directly, it's april at trustrelations.agency.
0: Yeah. And so uh, what I would urge you, if you want to get more information, you want to find out if you're ready for PR, definitely um, talk to April. Um, April's approach is really refreshing in the PR industry. And she has a team of that I've, I've worked with her team. They're fantastic. Um, and they actually um, give us a about you so as a client so i think that that's 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 pretty rare um just in the agency environment i'm not saying in the pr i'm not trying to be down on the pr people <laughs> because i do really value the work yeah they do. but um definitely get in touch with her um april thanks so much for joining me on the social thank Marketing you Animation. so much
1: chris it's been a pleasure thanks for having me
0: yeah no problem have a good rest of your day yeah you too folks okay. we're going we're going to be um Uh, We have lots of other great shows that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Please make sure to check out our podcast page on GoSalesAndMarketing.com. If you have questions, ask them there, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, If you you have any topics you want us to cover, go through the chat, go through the contact, go through social, e-course on the website, blog, you know, all this stuff. Just go check out everything about everything I'm talking about. And I'll check you out in the next episode of Social Marketing Academy, folks. Talk to you soon.